Welcome to the Sooners Extra Post Game Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here high above Owen Field, uh, where on Saturday, OU beat TCU 52-31, to joined by fellow beat writer Justin Martinez, columnist Jenny Carlson, and uh, guys, we got to start with Caleb Williams. Jenny, I think a lot of us expected and knew that Caleb Williams was going to be the starter today, but uh, the, the buzz in the stadium when it became official that he was going to start, his name was, uh, or his, his picture and, and short video was shown on the video board, uh, generated quite the roar. And then uh, when he jogged out to start the game, uh, another one, and he certainly uh, made those fans uh, or gave those fans exactly what they wanted today. Yeah, you know, I, I thought there there was an energy in the stadium before uh, because people, you know, didn't know for certain what was going to happen. So I think there was a lot of anticipation about, you know, what would happen. Um, we saw the quarterbacks warming up uh, in pregame, Spencer Rattler with Andrew Rain, the starting center uh, position, obviously, or uh, that traditionally is where the starting quarterback will warm up. They'll pair those two together. So you started to think, you know, what is this? Is this more uh, Lincoln Riley subterfuge or is this some sort of sign or is this nothing? Well, we've soon found that it was a little bit more gainsmanship by Lincoln Riley and uh, it was indeed Caleb Williams. And what a performance. I mean, just really good tonight. Yeah, uh, Caleb Williams completed his first 10 passes. And, and right from the jump, Justin, it seemed like there was something different about this offense, a, a different kind of uh, energy around it. Uh, certainly we saw that last week against Texas, but to see it right from the jump was something that was much different from what we'd seen to this point in the season. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Caleb just brings things that are different than what, what Spencer brings. You know, he brings that, that threat where he can run the ball. He also brings that threat where – He's not afraid to let it fly from deep, which we saw a whole lot of in this game, um, and it paid off for them. So I think both of those things combined and just kind of, you know, just rejuvenates this offense a little bit. And you can definitely see that the guys are rallying behind it. So, yeah, it was a great day so far. It was a great day for Caleb Williams, uh, for the offense in general. And, I mean, it just it appears like they, they found their guy. You know, and it's going to be their starting quarterback moving forward. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, you saw it from the very start that they're – like I said earlier, just a, a different vibe around this group. And it wasn't just what uh, Caleb Williams does with his feet or the way that he's able to throw, although both of those things certainly make OU's offense more dynamic. But, Jenny, there's also something just personality-wise, leadership-wise, that's a, a little bit different about this guy than what we've seen to this point, and that's not – denigrating uh, Spencer Rattler, but when you have, when you've had, and I wrote about this or am right, wrote, wrote about slash am writing about this uh, for, for Monday's paper, you know, when you've had guys like Baker Mayfield and, and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, who while very different, certainly each controlled that team and you knew it from the, from the start uh, you know, it's been a little bit different uh, over this last year and a half. And it seems like Caleb Williams has that kind of uh, energy about him. Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, Ryan, I mean, I think we've seen 
different styles in those quarterbacks. I mean, Baker Mayfield was not Kyler Murray, was not Jalen Hurts, and yet they were all very effective as, you know, that alpha on on the on the team, not just the offense, but the team. And they did it in, in vastly different ways. And I think Spencer Rattler had, um, I think he had respect of, of guys on the team, but I don't think he was sort of maybe rallying or hasn't maybe rallied guys um, together or around him the way that it looks like Caleb Williams is. Now, I could be dead wrong about that. We don't see practice. We're not in the locker room. But you just sort of get the sense like Rattler's maybe more um, almost kind of corporate. I, I mean, I don't really know what the right word is, but, you know, he's he's more sort of business, I guess, in the way he does things. And Caleb Williams has kind of a, it's a it's an interesting mix. I see him as calm, but also engaged and very fiery in a way, which is a weird combination. But, you know, I think we all saw him at the Cotton Bowl last week. Um, there was a ring that got formed by security <laughs> guards, which I think was going to be used for the Golden Hat Trophy presentation. Didn't ever happen. But at one point that became where Caleb Williams just kind of laid down to hang out. And, you know, he just had this unbelievable afternoon and, you know, looked like he was on the beach somewhere, um, kicked back, relaxed. So it's an he's an interesting personality. I can't wait to interact with him. Don't know when we're going to get to do that. But by all accounts, he's a he's a different personality, different persona than Spencer Rattler. And maybe that's just the Flint spark that this team needed. No doubt about it. This team while remaining undefeated coming into today, and obviously it took a a pretty monumental effort from Caleb Williams a week ago to get to that point. But, um, you know, clearly there were were a lot of cracks and and it was just a sort of almost felt inevitable that at some point those cracks were going to, you know, uh, turn into giant fissures and and everything was going to come crumbling down. Now, with what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, and there there still are, are cracks there, and we'll talk about those here later in this podcast, but you go back to those goals that we talked about before the season, the, uh, you know, continuing that streak of Big 12 championship games, uh, getting into the playoff again, being successful in the playoff, and all of a sudden that talk is uh, a little bit more or a lot more realistic uh, than it was eight days ago here. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, Caleb Williams has injected a level of energy into into this team, into this fan base that was as disgruntled as any I can remember, uh, given, you know, where their record stood and, and where they were ranked uh, early in the season. But uh, all of a sudden, that certainly has turned around. Uh, but Justin, you talked about it just a little bit ago. Let's talk about Caleb Williams on the field and, and what he did with the football. Uh, Kennedy Brooks addressed this a little bit, talking about how much easier it made things for him when you've got that threat uh, to be able to run the ball. We saw that with Caleb Williams in the second half, especially with the 41-yard touchdown run. And it, it's changed things for not only Kennedy Brooks, and we've seen him benefit from it greatly, but uh, also this offensive line and the way we look at them uh, and, and the, the receivers, uh, the way that they've been able to come together. 
Yeah, I mean, it really goes a long way, like I said, just especially on the ground. It's just another threat that the defense has to worry about where now he's someone that can also scramble. Like you said, we saw that today with the 41-yarder. We saw him with that long touchdown run against Texas as well last week. So that's just a constant threat that now opposing defenses have to prepare for, which does make things easier for the offensive line. Kennedy Brooks, who's been playing really well. And then, yeah, in that passing game, you know, just the fact that he's he's just letting it fly. He's just leaving it up to 50-50 balls and trusting his guys to go out and get it. And obviously, OU has the talent at that receiver position for those guys to go up and do that. We've seen that with Marvin Mims. We saw that today uh, with Jaden Hazelwood. So I, I just think it's it's really the boost that this offense is needed, and it's really paying off right now that they made that switch. Yeah, Jimmy, that, I thought that was big. Hazelwood having that, that big a game, you know, we've – talked about him and potential and uh you know when's he gonna break out when's he gonna break out today uh six catches 56 yards uh three touchdowns uh he had i believe only scored three touchdowns in his career uh in his sooner's career entering today two of those and all of them were against fcs competition but his only multi-touchdown game was uh earlier this season against western carolina but able to do it uh today against a, a, a not a vintage Gary Patterson TCU defense to be sure but still uh you know anytime you you're going against Gary Patterson uh you, you certainly uh have to work to to make things happen there uh I, I thought that was really big for looking at OU moving forward uh, the progression of Jaden Hazelwood yeah, and you know we've now seen wide receivers. You know we saw Mike Woods had had emerged at one point, and then we see Marvin Mims have the big game last week. Now Jaden Hazelwood has uh, you know a breakout performance today. Um, you know we've seen other guys have nice moments. Whether you're you're looking at a guy like uh, Jeremiah Hall out of out of the backfield, or um, you know there's been some other guys that have that had some good moments too. But obviously, yeah, heck, a, a big catch by uh, Trevin West uh, early in this game tonight. Yeah, I mean they've they've got guys that have done some nice things, and you've now we get the sense that Theo Weiss is coming back at some point. We don't know when that's going to be. You know, if you're looking at an offense that has three, four, five, six, I mean, I don't know what what the number is, but obviously, um, you know, the more the merrier in that regard for this Sooner offense. And I think it just continues to put pressure on defenses when you uh, have that many guys that can have two or three touchdown days. And then you add in the fact that Caleb Williams has that running ability that we saw him. We saw it a week ago in the Texas game, the first touchdown he had. We saw it again tonight. He had another running touchdown that was, you know, one of those cross country juke and jive sort of moments where he's sidestepping guys and running away from other guys. And um, so that's just another thing that puts pressure on defenses. They got to figure out what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to try to defend this team? And, and it's got to be tough when you look at, you know, that expanding number of receivers that he could potentially use plus his ability to run. Yeah. Especially when you look at the schedule, the way it's coming up with, with Kansas, with Texas tech here, uh, in these last uh, couple weeks before the bye week, it really looks like they've got a chance to get those guys a little bit more involved, figure out some things uh, here before that that closing stretch, which is going to be tough with uh, Baylor, Iowa State, and obviously uh, a Bedlam game that right now looms really large. 
you know, Justin, one of the things that looks like they need to do offensively, though, is figure out a way to get Austin Stogner going. I know, obviously, they've got some uh, some different options there, especially in, in short-yarded situations with the way they're using Jeremiah Hall, the way they're using Braden Willis, and and some of those wide receivers uh, as well. But, uh, you know, Stogner was such a big part of their offense last year before he got hurt, and that seems to be, you know, one of the things that they've missed this year. Obviously, there's reasons that, it's taken him a little bit to get ramped back up. But, uh, you know, if you're looking at anything with that group that has a chance to expand beyond what it is now outside of Theo Weiss coming back, that's a, a, a big red circle that you can make for sure. Yeah, I mean, just with all these great individual performances so far, you got to figure that eventually it's going to be his turn to be that guy who has that breakout game. You know, we've already seen it from numerous people so far. So you would think that he's due. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's just there's only one football, and there's a lot of targets right now for this team. So we're going to see if they can get him more involved. I do like the way that they've been using Jeremiah Hall. I think that he's been really great these past few games. He has a touchdown in at least three of the past five games uh, for Oklahoma. So they're definitely using, um, you know, their their tight ends, halfbacks, all of that. So that's encouraging to see, and, and hopefully we'll be able to see Austin Stogner get into that a little bit. All right. We've, we've talked about the offense quite a bit. Um, now let's turn our attention to the other side of the ball, Jenny, uh, the, the defense, uh, it, it started out promising. They get a, a stop, uh, right out of the gate and you wonder, Hey, is this, this the time they really get rolling, especially without, uh, TCU's big running back, uh, Zach Evans, uh, being available today, but, uh, the OU secondary, which has been just decimated with injuries and, that depth that Alex Grinch talked so much about has pretty well been completely wiped out. And then it gets worse when DJ Graham gets knocked out of the game early and isn't able to return. Yeah, the the Sooner secondary is is definitely definitely in a uh, precarious position is probably too strong a word, but man, it, it is definitely uh, taking some some hits and it's got to be, I mean, I think we saw precarious position a few years ago when they had, what, three scholarship guys on the road trip to K-State. <laughs> that was precarious, but <laughs> but they, they, they aren't quite that thin, but they've got a lot of young guys that they're depending on and, you know, asking uh, Pat Fields to play a lot of snaps and you know I think that that's gonna that's gonna continue to to be um it's it's a lot it's a lot to ask and Alex Grinch said after the game you know it's um it's a physical challenge but it's a mental challenge too because you know you're you're dealing with a position where you know if a defensive tackle misses a gap assignment nobody knows there's a likelihood that you know a very small number of people know and they're probably on the sooner sideline that know that but if a defensive back misses something everybody knows and so you know you're dealing with a a level of confidence too how do you balance needing these guys to make plays and then you know knowing that they're probably not going to make every play so um alex grinch is very aware of it um you could tell that he wants to put them in the best position but ultimately you know i I think as we we know in the big 12 when teams pass it a lot there's probably going to be instances where you know no level of scheming or protection can keep guys from from getting exposed from time to time so you got to hope for for those guys sakes guys like woody washington come back but you know they're gonna have to weather the storm i think for a little bit 
Yeah, they are. I mean, I know we've talked about this several times, but imagine where this group would be if they didn't have uh, a guy like Justin Broyles taking a step forward, that he's able to, his ability to play in, in several different spots. You know, we saw Billy Bowman play in some different spots today uh, with some success and, and also being exposed at times. Uh, certainly he's a guy who's got to continue to take steps forward, but they need uh, Delarian Turner yell DJ Graham and uh, Woody Washington back in a, in a bad way. Uh, not necessarily, although certainly they need it to be able to be successful against the, those teams that we talked about closing it, closing the season against. But when you go outside of that, if you are fortunate enough to make the playoff, certainly then you're going to have to use depth and, and have those guys uh, be able to perform at that level. And we saw what happens when they don't a few years ago with uh, LSU and Joe Burrow uh, down in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, th- th- I think there's still a lot of talent in that those groups, but uh, they, they certainly need to get back healthy and, and get back after it. I thought uh, one of the, the bright spots back there, especially the last few weeks, he wasn't uh, rotated in there initially uh, it was Latrell McCutcheon. It's going to be interesting to see his continued development down there. Uh, Justin, a guy who uh, uh, made a big play tonight with a, a, a forced fumble. Uh, didn't The end of the play didn't turn out the way the Sooners would have liked, but uh, they need guys like that to continue to make a pretty significant progress forward. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously he's a young player. We definitely saw – Plenty of room for improvement in the game against Texas where Xavier Worthy was just, I mean, just on absolute fire. Um, so, I mean, that's just going to be what we're going to see with a lot of these younger guys. There's going to be ups and downs, without a doubt. Billy Bowman, man, he got the short end of the stick. 5'10", having to go up against uh, Quinnen Johnson at six foot four in this game. I mean, just as, about as tough as a matchup as he's probably going to face this season. And Johnson just really took advantage of that one. So, I mean... You know, there's there's definitely plenty of room for improvement for some of these younger guys, but they're going to need them to step up without a doubt, especially until some of these guys get healthy. Yeah, a- absolutely. They've got to do that. Once again, a, a opposing wide receiver with a massive day against them. Quentin Johnston, uh, seven catches, 185 yards, 77 of his yards after the catch. Uh, Max Dugan, uh, career-high 346 yards, four touchdowns. So, um, not the numbers that the Sooners uh, would have liked for sure. Uh, and, and they've got to really buckle down over these next couple of games. And things are going to get easier, uh, although Texas Tech does fling the ball around quite a bit. I believe they were the leading uh, passing team in the Big 12 coming into today, and they played Kansas today. So I'm sure they uh, did all right for themselves in that regard. I think we um, all know how that one went. <laughs> Right. But, uh, you know, they should be able to win these next couple games pretty handily. Uh, This was really the first time other than West Carolina where Oklahoma could breathe a little bit at the end, although it wasn't for very long uh, that they were able to to exhale. Uh, They they need some games like that over these next couple uh, to, to be able to fix some things and get some things right for that three-game stretch that's going to be telling for them uh, there at the end. 
Yeah, I think there I think there's a lot. Um, you know, the the thing about tonight when you start to, you know, think about where this where this game sits. I mean, obviously coming off the Red River rivalry and the high of that, um, you know, back home, all the quarterback stuff. You know, I mean, obviously it's a it's it's been kind of a strange place for this this team, this program to be in. I mean, to be seven and zero, to have you know, sort of everybody looking to see you know what what's going to happen. That's it doesn't happen to a lot of seven now seven and zero teams. But you know, I think that you know we saw tonight, even though the defense did struggle. I mean, this was. <laughs> This was a 21 point win and we haven't seen many of those from this team this year. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there's something to be said for, um, you know, a, a team that, you know, coming off a high of a rivalry, new quarterback, starting quarterback, uh, defense that didn't play great. And you have your biggest margin of victory since you played a lower division team. I mean, that's that's a good sign if you're Oklahoma. Yeah, a- Absolutely the way that they were able to separate at least a little bit, uh, certainly things that they would like to get better on that Deshaun white uh, fumble w- was critical there. Cause they had a chance to extend it to a, a, a four touchdown game there. They didn't TCU didn't score on the next drive, but event pretty shortly after that cuts it down to a 14 point game. And all of a sudden we're in the fourth quarter and there's a little bit of uneasiness uh, here in the stadium, but they never let it get closer than that. So that's certainly progress. And and this has been a start unlike uh, any other, at least for a a top 10 preseason team uh, that I was able to find, went back and looked at that. I think over the last 70 years, there's, there's never been a team that has started, been able to stay undefeated and play uh, as many one possession games as the Sooners have been able to do. And I think that can help them moving forward into that stretch where you expect those kind of games, but uh, certainly some encouraging signs in that regard tonight. Let's, uh, well, first of all, let's go back to uh, Spencer Rattler. And Justin, I'll ask you this. Moving forward from here, do you expect Rattler to get any play other than garbage time if they're ahead next week against Kansas, two weeks against Texas Tech, or, uh, you know, is is it going to be strictly a situation where you only play him when you have to play him? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're not going to find that type of situation against Tech or against Kansas where, you know, you just need to put him in because things aren't going too well, so... Probably these next two weeks, I wouldn't expect to see a whole lot of Spencer Rattler barring some sort of injury or something like that. Obviously, knock on wood. But, you know, later in the season, you might be able to see him if if uh, Caleb Williams struggles. So I, I still think that, you know, we're going to see Rattler at some point. We're still going to be able to to see what he can do. But at this point, I just I'm expecting to just keep his head down. I'm not expecting to hear from him. Um you know, I guess he'll just be waiting and hopefully just staying ready for if that opportunity comes. Yeah, Jenny, I, I did a couple of uh, radio interviews before the game and listening to a couple of other folks before I went, after I went, things like that. And there seemed to be this uh, thought that Spencer Rattler would still find meaningful snaps at some point in this game and potentially moving forward. But 
given what Caleb Williams did tonight, it's really hard for me to see that be the case, that there's something that Caleb Williams couldn't do that Spencer Rattler could come on and do. Again, I know not all of their problems can be laid at Spencer Rattler's feet, uh, their problems from early in the season. And, and certainly Spencer Rattler can still do a lot to help a football team be successful. But it's hard to see something that he can do that Caleb Williams can't at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, you know, and I, I was a little bit curious to see what um, what Riley would do in terms of how he might manage the quarterbacks. You know, um, would he try to. Uh, you know, use Spencer Rattler a bit to try to keep him engaged, keep him fresh, um, all those things. I mean, I think those were, you know, interesting questions. The way the game played out, you know, Caleb Williams had the offense moving, going. There was never a point where you felt like, you know, things were stagnating because of Caleb Williams. If there were issues, it was that the defense was maybe giving up more points than you would like if you're Oklahoma. But um, it didn't really seem like there was a good option for, like, this is the obvious point where you put in Spencer Rattler to make sure he's, you know, he he's with the game plan or whatever. I mean, he was in a baseball cap um, basically from the opening kickoff, which said to me that it wasn't like the Texas game where he – had his helmet on sometimes all the way on on the sideline or either had it totally on or like sitting on top of his head. This was, you know, he doesn't have his helmet at all. I mean, if, if it had been a situation where he had to check in for, you know, a play or two or three, he'd had to go and get his helmet. So it, it was a whole different look this time around. So, um, you know, I, you you hope for you know you, you don't as Justin said earlier I'm I'm not wishing ill on anyone you hope that you know guys don't get hurt um, you know you just wonder if that moment's going to come at some point for Spencer Rattler for for any reason you know hurt ineffective play whatever the case may be um, you know what that what what could that look like I don't know I mean I, I it's a, it's a lot of guesswork but um, I'm not surprised the game played out the way it did you know after watching it I, I think it made a lot of sense to roll with Caleb Williams he was doing extremely good job um like you said Ryan not a whole lot you could think that Spencer Rattler could inject himself in there and suddenly you know miraculously change something in a different way but um yeah I don't I don't know that um and who knows maybe if this game were on the road um maybe it would have been managed a little differently maybe if this game would have been next week's game at Kansas and you're playing a not great team maybe you do something different there I don't know, but that this was this was the reality. This was the scenario, and I think because of it, and because of the way Caleb Williams played, I just don't foresee anything, you know, sort of weird or out of the ordinary coming out of this. I think Caleb Williams is the guy moving forward. Yeah, and I was a little surprised to hear some of that talk uh, before the game. You saw, I saw, we all saw what Caleb Williams did a week ago. Same thing tonight. We saw what he was able to do. Uh, nothing has changed my mind about uh, this being his team uh, here moving forward. Real quick, we'll wrap up with this. You look at what's happened over the last couple weeks in, in the sport as a whole. We've seen Alabama go down. We saw Iowa uh, go down today. Uh, some, some other uh, shuffling there. 
going to happen in the top 25, some other shuffling among teams that are fighting for uh, playoff spots. Justin, how do you think OU stands right now here uh, seven games into the season uh, when we talk about uh, big picture goals beyond just uh, the Big 12, where obviously right now it's uh, the two uh, in-state schools uh, who have sort of uh, taken the reins of this thing. Yeah, I mean, they're looking good. We, we've mentioned that a lot of these games have been a lot closer than, than maybe people have hoped for. A lot of these games haven't been as pretty as people expected. But at the end of the day, they're winning these games when a lot of these other teams aren't able to come out with a win in some of these uglier games. So, you know, you have to give credit to OU for being able to to pull this out and, and keep this undefeated record. Um, yeah, I mean, it, right now they're in as good a spot as anyone in the country. Yeah. It, Jenny, what what about you? What are your thoughts on that? And uh, what's your uh, 14 playoff if the uh, season ended today? Well, when the morning, when the sun came up this morning, I would have probably stuck Iowa in there as well as they were playing and they got rolled today by Purdue. So uh, what I'm about to say, consider that when you hear what comes out of my mouth, I think you got to put Georgia in there. Um, They may, and they may lose at some point just because of the SEC, but they look fantastic right now. So got to like them. You got to think somebody else comes out of the SEC. I mean, is it Alabama? Seems possible. Is it another team? Also seems possible Um, because you just, I, I mean, there's nobody in the ACC, um, Pac-12. So does that leave? I mean, you, you got to think there's a team coming out of the the, the Big Ten, right? I mean, is that um, Michigan potentially, Michigan State? Um, and then I so then I I do think the door is open for Oklahoma. So I didn't give you an answer, but I think Oklahoma is definitely in the in the mix of teams that you're looking at right now. That's probably at this point. I mean, what is it? Is it is there eight, you know, a group of eight right now that you could realistically, I mean, Cincinnati might be in there right now. Um, they're not in that power five, but they're looking really good. So maybe it's a group of eight, nine, 10 teams that you're looking at. And I think Oklahoma is definitely in that mix. Yeah. I think right, right now to me, um, it looks like there's about 12 teams that you could say, are uh, firmly in that mix. You know, obviously Iowa's got to turn things around after their loss today, but probably still put them in that. The two Michigan schools, you, you've got to still consider Ohio State in there. Oklahoma State, especially with what they were able to do today against Texas, what their defense uh, looked like, the fact that they're undefeated, uh, got to be right up there. Uh, Penn State, uh, e- even with that loss to Iowa, uh, certainly right in the mix there. Among those uh, th- three big, t- or I guess, uh, what, five Big Ten schools uh, that we're talking about. And then uh, you can't write off Alabama. And then obviously Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and Georgia, I think, are a pretty clear one, two, three in, in some order. I think Georgia at number one is very clear to me uh, the, the, what they've been able to do to this point. But, uh, you know, Oklahoma and Cincinnati, you can make arguments for those two either way, but it's hard to make an argument for anybody else uh, right there. And you look at Georgia's schedule uh, the rest of the way, honestly, you know, they get next week off, they play Florida uh, after that. And, and one of the best uh, rivalry games in college football, the world's largest cocktail party, 
uh, down there in Jacksonville. But after that, they got Missouri. Tennessee can jump up and bite you. They played well, but the way Georgia's playing right now, it's hard to imagine uh, them falling to to you know, any of those teams other than maybe Florida if they're able to get them. Uh, then they end with Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech uh, before likely an SEC championship game. I think if the, the SEC makes two, it's almost got to be Alabama coming back, winning the West, and winning the SEC title game against Georgia, uh, and, and then both Alabama and Georgia getting in. Barring that, uh, it seems like unlikely uh, the SEC gets two in at this point. Unless maybe Kentucky completely runs the table from here on out and Georgia's their only loss. But it's going to be fun. Uh, Every year we start talking about absolutes near this point of the year. And every year it seems like everything changes from from week to week. Certainly we've seen that uh, over these last two weeks with what's transpired. But another uh, great college football season. And uh, a lot to look forward to over these next few weeks. But uh, here for the Sooners, uh, they go on the road. They'll play at Kansas next week. That game has been announced as an 11 a.m. kick. Uh, get ready, Sooners fans. I know you love that. But at least it's on the road. Uh, so, so that's a little bit better. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to get some barbecue up there, Justin. Uh, introduce you to to some uh, Kansas City uh, institutions uh, while we're up there in Lawrence. Should be a good one, but we're going to wrap it up here from uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, where again, on Saturday night, Oklahoma beat TCU, finally had some breathing room, 52-31. to Thank you so much for joining us. You can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoma for the best OU coverage anyway.